Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome into another edition of Brewcast here on AmazingBrew.com, member of the SB Nation family of websites. Glad to be back. Uh, before we get into our show, coming off of a bye week, I want to remind everyone here that of our Amazing Brew meetup on this Friday, November 2nd at the Detroit Beer Company. That's located on 1529 Broadway Street in downtown Detroit. Uh, it's right next to the Detroit Opera House, right next to Comerica Park. There's parking, plenty of that stuff all around there, so... It's, it's right in the heart of downtown, just off of Woodward. It's pretty easy to find. I stopped there uh, early to, earlier today before we recorded this show just to kind of check out the venue, and I think it's – it's I've never been there, uh, but I think that this is going to be a pretty good uh, pretty good venue for us. It seemed like it was pretty awesome. So we hope that you come out to that. Uh, you can RSVP for the event on the website. Admission is completely free. The first 50 people who RSVP will get their first drink on us. Uh, we've got plenty of free food. Lots of fun things planned, some guests coming out. A lot of the guys from the website will be out there. Uh, Chris, Luke, and myself will be out there. Uh, also, obviously, admission is free, but if you want to get the T-shirt uh, that comes with our meetup, uh, that's $10 with an RSVP. So for another 10 bucks, you're getting a T-shirt, you're getting your free beer, you're getting as much free food as it lasts, uh, and there's going to be a lot of it. So it's going to be a fun night. Looking forward to, to mingling with a lot of you guys. Uh, hanging out with the fans before a pretty big game on Saturday against Penn State. So so we haven't had a chance to get everyone together in a long time. So I'm looking forward to the opportunity to talk Michigan with with you guys, with our staff, to network with some of our staff. And, hey, we'll have a hell of a time. So I wanted to throw that out there as well. Uh, so let's get into the show. Uh, we are without Luke this week. God uh, 
I say God rest his soul, but he's not dead. He's, he's very much alive, but he's uh, a little under the weather. So I'm stepping in today uh, into uh, the big chair, I guess, so to speak, uh, as we roll along, coming off of a bye week. Uh, and now I'll take this opportunity to intro my co-host, uh, who is also very much alive. I'm glad to report that. Uh, Chris Castellani. Hello, Chris. Welcome in. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, happy to be here again. Like you said, uh, fun week coming up. I mean, I'm looking forward to meeting some people, and uh, obviously the main event on Saturday being uh, Michigan going up against another uh, ranked opponent. What is this? They're, they're third in a row. Uh, Correct, yes. And uh, was the, actually, was the Northwestern game before Wisconsin? Yes, it was. It was, and they're not. Are they not ranked yet? I don't believe so. Okay, they weren't at the time. Um, but no, I, I know obviously, they, they, the they go out and get a, they go out and get a big win over Wisconsin over the weekend. I mean, it's you know, even though Michigan struggled in that game and got punched in the mouth, I mean that it wasn't a loss, but that game is looking, I guess, better a little better. bit better. Uh, which I mean, anytime you go down seventeen nothing in a game, I don't consider that. I mean, that's not a great look, but it kind of speaks to the competition that you're going up against. So. Um, hey, uh, we Northwestern's always a tough out. Obviously, Michigan was able to get through that, but that they were able to beat a Wisconsin team who, and honestly, I mean, we we put a lot into the fact that Michigan blew the barn doors off of Wisconsin a few weeks ago, but uh, clearly that team was a little bit overranked and a little bit, um, I don't want to say overrated, because at the time, the resume was what it was, but um, this isn't exactly the Wisconsin team that we've used to see, that we're used to seeing either. Uh, but still, a quality win, a blowout at home, um, the revenge tour chugs right along this weekend, and and Penn State's coming off of a big win against Iowa, and in, in what really was one of the better games. Uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch a whole lot of college football this weekend because I felt like it was good to just sit this one out for a while. Like I saw a bit of the Michigan State game, I saw, you know, I watched some of Penn State Iowa to get an idea of what we're in for this week. But other than that, I mean, it was a pretty good opportunity to just kind of like kick back, relax, so to speak, and, you know, let the bye week be what it is. Recharge, relax, all that stuff. Yeah, it was it, it was a weird week, uh, especially for Michigan, because uh, in theory, you would think it was it was a good week. You had 11 of the top 25 teams losing. But none of the teams ahead of Michigan, I think three of them didn't even play. And Notre Dame played Navy, so I mean that and and blew them out. So it wasn't wasn't really a lot of scoreboard watching to be had. Uh, everyone kind of uh, everyone was either everyone ahead of Michigan, I'm sorry, was either not playing or uh, playing easy opponents. So it, uh, I guess it was it was a perfect time. For a bye week. I mean, I think if Michigan would have asked, uh, you know, where they wanted their bye week to be placed this season, I think after Michigan State and going into Penn State around around this time this year would have been the exact uh, week they would have pinpointed as where they wanted the bye week to be. And hopefully uh, that works out for the better. I think it will. Yeah. And I think there's always, to me, it's always fair to be a little bit concerned about well, you know, you just had an emotional win and now you go on a bye week and, you know, maybe you cool off a little bit. And, you know, obviously we're talking about a team that's won seven straight games now. You know, is there is there the fear that they won't be quite as hot coming out of it? And I think that to a certain point, there's there's some merit to that. I mean, I 
it wouldn't shock me at all. And I think we talked about this last week a little bit. If Michigan came out, it was a little bit flat, at least to start out on Saturday. Uh, I don't think I'd be shocked by that by any stretch. And they're playing a pretty good football team too. I mean, so it's one of those things where, um, you know, you talk about how scoreboard watching, like I said, it was pretty, pretty perfect week for that really worked out. You got to see Penn state play a game against a quality opponent. So I feel like you got a pretty good look at what they have and what they bring to the table. Uh, if you hadn't seen a lot of them this season, but um, we'll get into all the football talk here soon. Uh, what did you do with your bye week, man? I mean, I, I was at the movies twice last week. I you know, did some stuff out and about, got some, some errands done, got some projects done around the house. It was a nice little, uh, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, I saw, I saw two movies. I went and saw a stars born, which was incredible. It was great. It was right. Um, yeah. God. I mean, it's anytime you can, and I don't want to say I'm like not an emotional person at all or anything, but like, if you're, you've got something special when you have parts in your movie that literally like choke you up or choke me up or get you like on the verge of tears. And like Lady Gaga's voice will kind of almost get you there anyways. Yeah. But there is some really heavy stuff in there. And it was, I mean, it was sad. It was funny. It was heartbreaking. It was heartwarming. I mean, God, what a, what an experience that was. And, and if anyone's on the fence about seeing it, go and see it because it's, I think, with the way that a lot of those concert scenes were uh, filmed and the way it all comes across. I think that movie was meant to see in a theater with a crowd of people. So. You know, I felt that way too, because it's not like it's, it's not like it's some big sweeping epic, you know, some big summer event movie where, where you, you need going to see it with a crowd makes it more fun. Uh, but there, there was something about it where it felt very cinematic, um, and I think taking a uh, just seeing it at home, you'll still like it because characters are great and the music's great. But uh, it, it does add another element to it uh, when you see it in a theater, and I, I think if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you absolutely should. So big, re- big recommendation. Uh, from from the the brew brewcast uh crew here. <laughs> we're regular old uh roger ebert and Gene Siskel ebert, here. yeah um yeah man and, and last i'm not gonna we're not gonna turn this into a, a star is born review but i'll say this i mean the there were a couple three scenes in the movie that like chills down my spine the one it opens the movie um it's not really a spoiler to say this it kind of opens the movie it's just bradley cooper wailing on a guitar playing mm-hmm. a blues rock country song in front of tens of thousands of people. Awesome. Loved it. The second moment was the first time those two are on stage together. Absolutely yeah. electric. And then the third moment, which again, I'm not going to give it away. Anyone who, I mean, this movie, a star is born has been made four times, I think. And everyone kind of knows the basic premise of it, but let me just say the end musical number, the musical number at the end of that movie, before it cuts to credits, that was Whitney Houston um, in the bodyguard. I will always love you esque. Amazing. Yeah. So go see it. It's it's awesome. Uh, I also saw Halloween, which um, two very different movies, but yeah. I, had a, I had a hell of a time with that one too. I thought that was it was very good. Um, I mean, listen, anytime you're talking about horror movies and slasher movies, I mean, it's really hard for them to be great because it's just it's been done so many times, but 
um, the, the OG Halloween is kind of the one that started it all. And it really, I thought that movie did a great job of getting that franchise back to its roots instead of all the stupid, um, Michael is Laurie's brother and, and all this kind of, you know, he's more of just a force of nature instead of a, a supernatural being. And it was, it was great. I loved it. Uh, I had a pretty good week at the movies overall, so I can't complain about how my bye week was spent. Yeah, man, I, I, I worked and, uh, mainly just did what I usually do. Watch sports, watched the, the ending to the baseball season uh, as the Red Sox closed out the World Series and deservedly so, uh, winning it all. And I said this in one of my videos, it's the first year in recent history where I wasn't like completely disheartened that baseball was ending uh, just because uh, I, I like I, I said this as well, the Tigers being so bad uh, kind of drained me a little bit. And uh, I think part of it is the fact that uh, there's other sports to look forward to. I mean, in past years, uh, there's been, uh, you know, when, when there, there were times where it was just the Tigers I had to look forward to. You know, it was Michigan football was winning, you know, seven, eight, you know, somewhere somewhere between five and eight games a year. The basketball team was going to be the basketball team. You never really knew what to expect from them. They were usually pretty mediocre. Uh, now it's different. Uh, I, this is you know a football team that I think genuinely has an, a, a chance to make the playoff, and um, I'm extremely excited for uh, the basketball season. More excited than uh, I think, maybe not fans, but more excited than I think uh a lot of uh, you know, kind of uh, the media is to see this team. I think they're going to be better than nineteenth uh, in the country. I really do. Yeah, I think so. And let me. I was waiting until we got onto the show to ask you about this. I mean, can you really? I think the baseball to me was a lot like, sort of a lot like the NBA this year in that the teams that you thought would be there at the end were there. I mean, outside of the Brewers, but I mean. I said this even after the Red Sox won on Sunday that, you know, it's, I can't really recall a time in my life and, and people will say, Oh, 98 Yankees. Yeah. I was like five or six years old. So um, I can't recall a time in my life where a team wire to wire just kind of kicked the shit out of everyone. um, Like the Red Sox did this year. I mean, it was, it's fun to watch. I mean, cause you, you appreciate greatness and you appreciate, you know, good players and, you know, a lot of a lot of former Tigers on that team that you sure. vote for, but it's also an element of man, why couldn't that happen here? Um, yeah. So it's, I don't know, it's it's cool. I mean, congrats to Boston. I mean, obviously that's a sports city that has been so downtrodden and and oh, has I not been a winner. But uh, God, I just the first thing I thought of was that that kid at, that'll be at the parade with the you know sixteen years old eleven parade sign. Um, just makes me sick to my stomach because, I mean, in my life, I mean, four Stanley Cups, but like two of those were when I was five years old, six years old. One of them I was nine years old and still didn't really care about sports. 2004 Pistons were great, but other than that, I mean, it's, you know, 11 titles in 18 years. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see a a run like that ever uh, again. But uh, And, and what's so weird is that the- – Probably, I would say, 
arguably, I mean, the, the most storied franchise in Boston, uh, the Celtics, the team that's won more championships than any other uh, team in their in their sport, uh, they've only won one. <laughs> they they only yeah. they did it in 08 with the big three. Uh, they made it to the finals again two years later, but they only won that one championship. It's mainly been uh, the Pats and the Red Sox who for uh, – you know, for a long time, were kind of, uh, if not considered, uh, you know, or kind of considered an afterthought, you know, until the turn of the century, and um, then they it went it went for, it went from being mediocre to being great really fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not you know once it once the century turned obviously for the Red Sox it took eighty six years, but once it was like once they got that one title. Dominoes just started falling, and they've continued to fall uh, for the last fourteen years or fifteen years or so. So it's uh, it's been a pretty incredible streak. Yeah, and last thing on Boston before we get back into what people are here for, it's I think right now it's the only sports city in America that one it has the fans that hold the teams completely accountable. Like, yeah, they expect to to be in it in every one of their sports now, and then. Yeah on the flip side of that, they have ownership that's willing to go all in, in all four of those sports for the most part. Um, when so many other, I mean, modern ownership in sports is a lot of times just, uh, you know, it's a money-making operation. I mean, it's, um, you know, people are okay with just being all right, being okay and making a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, they, they hold both sides of the coin. there hold each other accountable. And I think that that's why you get, a special time like that. It's really an attitude of a city and attitude of an area. And, um, you know, those are cocky sports fans there, but, uh, they've got plenty of reason to be, uh, it's, it's a great city too. I've, I've, you know, was there last summer and had a blast. So, um, Fenway is amazing. That whole atmosphere around that park is amazing. It's like a baseball street fair for every game, every game. It's like that. It's, it's incredible, but, um, so let's get back. Let's pivot kind of back into Michigan. So we talked about what we did with our week off. We talked about, you know, some of the things we saw, uh, some things we did. Let me ask you this. I mean, now that we've had time to calm down from, obviously Michigan State week was a uh, very emotional, very emotional, even coming out of it. I mean, there was still this stuff with the the reprimands, the fine from the fines for Michigan State. Harbaugh had kind of doubled down and went even harder at State during his Monday press conference. Uh, I mean, I was ready to be done with all that by Sunday. Uh, so I'm glad that they kind of had the week to let everything cool down, get back to what, uh, you know, maybe another week for Rashawn Gary to get healthy, another week for Tariq Black to get a little more ready. Uh, so I, I think what I want to ask you, and I'll, I'll give you mine here soon, is now that we've had some time here, we you get away further away from the emotions of the game, uh, further away from of the emotions of the win streak. Now that revenge tour, so to speak, kicks back up against a team that um, poured it on last year. I mean, I, I don't have any issues saying that. I mean, Harbaugh did it to them two years ago. Franklin and, and company fired back last year. And I think worried about coming out slow is, is fine and warranted, but I don't think there'll be a lack of focus because I think that when you talk about revenge tour and all that, this is another team, uh, that kind of stuck it to you last year and, and actually even rubbed your nose in a little bit. But I want to know, like now that we've come away from all that and we're back on track here in a game week, what, 
what are your takeaways from what you've seen so far? Like, what is this Michigan football team to you? Uh, I think they're a really good team that is on the verge of being a special team. Um, I, I think that what after the Notre Dame game, which I still, uh, even in hindsight, I still say was a disaster. I still think um, was an extremely winnable game, as good of a year as Notre Dame has had. Um, seeing Michigan's growth uh, throughout the season, you can't help but wonder what if. But besides it, it, taking kind of slicing that game uh, off, they've been close to flawless in every other game. Um, I've talked about this with my dad several times. I mean, this was a team we weren't – I thought maybe they'd be 9-3 and three this year. You know, I, I I didn't see them beating uh, Michigan State on the road. I, I thought between Wisconsin and Penn State they'd lose one of those. I, I thought they'd lose to Ohio State. Right now they're in uh, a really good spot. And I, I, I've said this, I think, on the podcast before. I don't want to get my hopes up too high. But the, the Michigan State game, more so than even the Wisconsin game, the Michigan State game, I saw something from this team, uh, an edge, a swagger, um, the, the emotion they brought to that game. It was the first time where I, I I felt like this Michigan team might be different. Maybe this will be the one that doesn't let us down. Because I mean, we we've known for the most part uh, that that they were they were going to have the talent. Um, Shea has been, if not better than you expected, just as good as expected. Um, but the ways they've improved uh, at the offensive line, um, the the way the, some of the receivers have developed, the way that guys have stepped up uh, in the place of, of injured players, um, it's been easily, uh, to this point, um, I would say Harbaugh's best coaching job. I think uh, this is a defense that, let's say they make it to the playoff could be one that people compare to the 97 defense as far as just uh, a team that would just punch you in the mouth. Um, this is, they are in a better position than I, than I thought they would be in at any point this season. I, 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 did, I never thought they would reach uh, number five in the country. Now, of course it'll all be for not if they, if they go out and collapse again, but that they're ahead of schedule as far as where I thought they could be. I think that's fair. And I certainly coming into this season, I mean, you look through, you know, we talked about even heading into this year, how this stretch that they're in right now of versus Wisconsin at Michigan state versus Penn state. We're like, all right, well, you know, God, they might go one and two of that stretch or God, I hope they can at least go two and one in that stretch. Well, mm-hmm. now they've got the two and you're looking ahead thinking, you know, they're, I thought the line is that they're 11 and a half point favorites against Penn state. Like that's a team that they're good, but you should beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to a certain extent, I think that Michigan 
has benefited. I let me let me start by saying this. I think they're a very good team. When I'm you know I look at some of the teams ahead of them in the rankings. I mean Alabama, nobody's beating them this year. Like we've established that. Clemson's very good. Notre Dame beat you. I think obviously they're they're pretty good. LSU's good. Uh, you know pretty much everyone in front of them and behind them is is a good team. Uh, I don't I don't know yet if they're better than Georgia or Oklahoma or Ohio State. But it's like I think that they're to to be sitting there at number five. I mean, it, everything is right ahead. You know, is right there for them. I mean, very much their destiny is in their own hands, even maybe more so than it was in 2016. And now we'll look at, you know, let's just assume they win this game this weekend. We'll look at, well, you know, could they potentially collapse? They're not going to lose to Indiana at home. Right. They're not going to lose the Rutgers on the road. So, I mean, would. Would losing to Ohio State be a collapse? It would be disappointing. I don't know if it's a collapse. Um, I think to a certain extent that Michigan, I think this is actually, this is about what I expect them to be. I think that, I think there's a lot of room for Shea Patterson to play better than he has, but, and he hasn't been bad, but I think that you're getting pretty close to what I think the floor for him is, uh, which is still pretty good, obviously. I mean, he's only, no one talks about this. In conference play, he's only thrown the one interception. Right. So it's he's playing well and he's taking care of the football. When a lot of people were kind of worried that maybe that gunslinger mentality was going to lead to more picks and, and things like that. But you look at him, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions on the year. I mean, I see him up for the Heisman. I, he, I know he's listed pretty high in Heisman odds. I mean, Is really, you're really? just – I think he's fourth or fifth the last I checked. I'll look on that here when – Wow. Um, he's pretty up there. But, I mean – Right now, it's Tua is just so far out in front of everyone else that you're really just playing for a seat in New York. You know, yeah, to... but still, man, I, I like, and I like, I, I love Shea Patterson. He, he's been a godsend this year. You know what Shea Patterson is to me? Now, this is a bit of a throwback, uh, though. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe it's not night. Shea Patterson to me is what we thought Tate Forcier was going to be after his freshman year, if he would have improved. Like, a, a, a mobile quarterback, um, gunslinger mentality, um, pretty cool under pressure, uh, not the best arm in the world, but but accurate. Uh, he's been he's been really good. I, he, to me, he's exceeded my expectations just because as good as he was last season at Ole Miss – I still had kind of like, well, you know, we felt like O'Corn was going to be great too, and he was a disaster. And I still had that thought kind of in the back of my head. So I didn't, I thought Shea would be somewhere in between what uh, the, the savior that Michigan fans thought he would be and what John O'Corn was. And I would say he's been closer to savior than what O'Corn was. But uh, Heisman, no, come on. Is he even the best quarterback in the Big Ten? No, I mean, I, I, I think there's a conversation to be had, but yeah. I don't think he's far and away the best guy. I mean, even, even with Ohio State struggles on offense, I mean, Dwayne Haskins to me is still that number one guy. I mean, I think he's the purest passer that Ohio State's ever had, so that would be a guy that I kind of give the nod to. Um, and for all, for all the talk about how, let me look something up real quick. Sorry, this is bad radio here. Uh, but it's uh, for all the talk about how, oh, Ole Miss is going to be so much better off without Shea Patterson. You know, Jordan, uh, J- 
Jordan Tiamu, is that his name? Uh, their quarterback. So. He's been good, but they're five and three. So it's not like, you know, yeah. you know, I'll look at his numbers right now. He's got 2,600 yards, 16 touchdowns and five picks. So it's like, well, solid. I mean, it's good. He's good, but it's not, I think, I think that if the Shea that Michigan is getting now was on Ole Miss, they'd be a little bit better. I don't have an issue saying that, but yeah. um, I guess in my roundabout point in all this is that I think I, I still have questions about Michigan. Um, you know, I don't, if we're talking about a team that goes to the playoff and you know how they stack up, obviously it would depend on the matchup, but I think that a lot of these wins that they've had, then credit to them for taking care of business. And it really hasn't been all that close, but I, I guess maybe I've expected them to be tested a little bit more. I, I, Wisconsin put up a fight for a half. Michigan state put up a fight for three quarters, but I think overall that those are two pretty dominant wins for Michigan. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, you fought all the way back from 17, nothing down uh, against Northwestern. Uh, some of these, I don't know. I, I guess I just thought, Maybe I'm just still waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I think that Michigan has been the beneficiary of a, a big 10. That's a little bit down this year, a, a lot bit down this year, uh, but they've won those games and they're only losses to a team that um, is ahead of them in the rankings right now and is undefeated. So things are looking pretty good for them. I, I think my biggest concern with them still, and we talked about this last week is that I do think that the, their mentality and offense which has worked, by the way. It's a hammer away, hammer away, hammer away, and then hopefully things open up for you late in the game. I th- I don't think that's going to work against a team like Ohio State and Columbus. I think that you're going to have to open things up a bit. Um, they have to do it a little bit uh, on Saturday against Penn State. I I know I know that they're and mind you, in all of this, they've still thrown some different looks in there. I mean we're starting to see the read option stuff. We're starting to see, you know, the quarterback uses legs to make plays a little bit more. So it's not like they're asking him to stand tall in the pocket and not move around. Like there's, there's some, some different stuff there. And um, I think they're coaching pretty, some pretty good offensive football right now overall, but it still feels conservative. And I feel like when you let a team hang around and hang around when there's maybe a chance to really just put the boot to their throat, like I thought was, the case earlier in that game against Michigan state mm-hmm. uh, before, you know, the floodgates kind of opened up later. I think that a team that's better than them uh, is, is liable to pop them uh, a team that's better than Michigan state, I should say. So I guess that's my concern, but I get the other thing is who, who provides that challenge the rest of the way Penn state could because of um, you know how good that offense is uh, going up. I mean, obviously Michigan's defense is great and, they're going to continue to be good, but you know, they're susceptible to the big play here and there. Mm-hmm. I really would like to see a little bit more aggressive play calling at times. I don't like to see them sit on leads. I, I think that that's really, to me, conservative football, you know, prevent defense type of football. A lot of the times can end up being losing football. And yeah. I guess that that's really my major concern out of all of it is that when push comes to shove and Michigan is truly in a game that, and I have no problem seeing this. When they go to Columbus in a few weeks, they're not going to be favored to win that game. It'll, it might be like Ohio State minus one or minus two, but they're not going to be favored, and a lot of people will pick against them. I, I worry that in a game like that, in a game that they're not expected to win, that 
something is going to bite them in the in the rear end still because they still they still haven't really won a game they haven't been supposed to win uh, since Jim Harbaugh's been at Michigan. So that's really, I mean, these are these are when we talk about this has been a season full of narrative killing games like the you know like the Michigan State game, like the Wisconsin game, like you know. Is this offensive line going to get better? When is Jim Harbaugh going to find a quarterback? They've killed all these narratives this year. Those are still a couple of the ones that are on my list that I think need to be killed before we can start really feeling awesome about this team. I mean, they're in a great spot right now, and you should feel great about them. Everything is in their hands. And they're like there is no, barring something catastrophic, there is not an excuse to to go out and, and lay any more eggs from here on out. It's It's all hands on deck now. No, I mean, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I, I don't see them doing that. Uh, I They're playing their best football uh, of the season right now. Arguably, arguably the, the best football they've played in the Harbaugh era. But I think even, um, and this was something that uh, when you bring up conservative play calling and sitting on leads, I mean, that was like the Lloyd Carr special. Right, where right. Lloyd would just not be able to put teams away and you would just keep, you know, they'd get up by 10 in the third and then it was just conservative clock mode the rest of the way. And it came back to bite him in the ass on several occasions. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to explain and maybe I'm just foolish. I just get the feeling that there's something about this team that's a little bit different. And I think that part of it is Shea and what he can do with his leg, where if it gets to a point where, uh, you know, they are trying to sit on a lead or, or, or take time off the clock, um, having him as an extra running threat um, makes things a lot more difficult for defenses. You saw it in the Michigan State game, probably the biggest play of the season, that fourth and two uh, read option play where he they faked the handoff to Mason and then Shea got about, uh, 10 yards off it. That was an amazing call. Um, and with the way the offensive line has been playing, I, I could, now I don't, I don't want it to get that way. I want it, I want to see them open up the playbook, but maybe considering how good they're playing uh, on the O line, maybe they could be able to get by with some of the more conservative play calling. Yeah, and maybe that's where I'm not giving those guys enough credit because the offensive line has gotten better every week as mm-hmm. as these fronts that they face get better. And, and mind you, the front the front that they face on Saturday against Penn State is again the probably the best one that they've seen since week one. Now, so it's another test. Another we'll see just how much they improve during that improvement week. And and Shea Patterson, yeah, he's the difference right now. And maybe, like I said, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. Uh, Michigan was. For all intents and purposes, Michigan was on the ropes for almost three quarters of that game in East Lansing a couple weekends ago. So that they were able, you know, I just talked about needing to see them fight through some adversity and win a game that maybe wasn't looking so hot for them to win. Yeah, they kind of went out and did that uh, because, yeah, they were they were on the ropes. I have no issue saying that. I, I don't think I don't think they were ever in really any serious danger. But the longer you let a team like that hang around, you. We've seen it time and time again, what Mark D'Antonio teams have done in that situation. So, I mean, maybe I'm just being the glass half empty type of guy, but, and those guys deserve some more credit and they've done, they've done a great job. I mean, all these questions that I have, have really, I mean, through, this is what week we're heading into week 10 now. 
I mean, mm-hmm. the last nine weeks, they've been pretty emphatically answered, but I'm still, I want to see it against, I mean, the two be- best teams that they've had, le- they have left are Penn State and Ohio State. And I guess I need, I need to see it against them. I, I know I've kind of, I stepped back a little bit on this show. I know I said, well, I can't give them the benefit of the doubt to win any more of the, any of the big games they play. And I think I'm backing off from that a little bit because uh, things change and expectations change based on what the eyeball test, you know, gives you. But it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think those are, maybe they're nitpicks. That's fine. If you want to call them that, that's okay too. But uh, those are really the only thing coming out of the bye week. I feel pretty good about this team. Um, and really, I think my biggest takeaway is that they're, there really isn't an excuse. I mean, I the, the farther away I get away from you know, what Ohio State did against Purdue and what Michigan's done in the last few weeks, I mean, if you don't go out and win the Big Ten, it's a major missed opportunity with what we've seen the last nine or ten weeks of football. Um, and it can't happen. And if it, do, if it does happen, it'll be disappointing. I don't think it will be the end of the world. I certainly think that Jim Harbaugh's seat is a lot cooler than it was two months ago. Uh, not that it was ever really that warm anyways. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We keep, just got to keep killing those those narratives, I guess. Yeah, and they still have uh, they still have some major mountains to climb. I think you know I, I don't have any problem with you being uh, you know kind of afraid to take that extra step and giving them the benefit of, uh, benefit of the doubt. I mean, for why should we give them the benefit of the doubt? I mean, it's been 14 years of uh, a lot of disappointment, losing to rivals, coming up short in big games. Um, and, and look, I don't, uh, I think right now, if I had to pick, uh, you know, the Michigan Ohio state game, I would probably lean towards Michigan, but that's because right now Michigan's playing their best football and Ohio state uh, isn't. They just they got beat up pretty bad two weeks ago. Now that could be completely different if Michigan plays like they did. You know the last three games entering the Ohio State game, uh, like they did in twenty sixteen. Then I'll probably lean towards Ohio State. But you know we're, we're, it makes complete sense why you're skeptical. There's no reason why you shouldn't be. We've seen. I. It feels like we've seen this movie before. Um, but we're just hoping that this time it just has a different ending. Hopefully it will. All the pieces are in place for it to end in a different way, but a lot of it depends on how they execute. Yeah. And I forget, I was listening to, I think it was ESPN U on the radio over the weekend. And I heard one of the hosts say, and I can't remember who it was, but said something along the lines of, I don't think that Michigan I 100% agreed with this. He said that I don't think that Michigan is so much better than Ohio State that Ohio State can't fix what their problems are in the next four weeks. And right. I think that he's 100% right, obviously. But, um, you know, I guess the, the question becomes, is Michigan as good right now as they're going to be? I don't know. I mean, I know it's the, those are the ingredients, what we've seen for, for a pretty good season. I mean, you're going to win 10 games, maybe 11 games of the bowl game. But – can they be more really? That's my big, like, can they be more? Um, and we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Saturday is another, another test for that. Um, you know, I, I try not to be, I just try to be realistic about it. I mean, I, a couple of friends asked me over the weekend, like what, 
what should we be expecting moving forward? And I said, I think that it might be a good idea to start getting your plans for Indianapolis ready if you want to go to the Big Ten title game because it's going to come time here where, you know, oh, crap, we just beat Ohio State. We're playing an idiot next week. We need to figure out hotels and a place to stay and tickets for the game. Like, I think that right now, yeah, they're the best. They're the best. They are the best team in the Big Ten right now where we stand today. It's not uh, Purdue like Marcus Ray said it was. That was – one of the stupidest. One of the worst takes. That that is as much as I, I I'm I don't like the the Twitter account freezing cold takes. Like stuff like that is why that count account exists. Yes. Um. It was uh, like I said, my. Uh, it's not like I was rooting for Michigan State to win on Saturday, but I kind of was just because it's like, can we put that narrative? Like, what's I need to see the mental gymnastics now for how how Michigan can be dogged for you know not only beating you know a, a state team that's that's good I, I'm I'm not afraid to call them good they're not great but they're a good team they're a well coached team um, and then what happened with Purdue after they just walloped Ohio State I think it's just funny to see the mental gymnastics now because now it's we're back to a point where. Oh, well, yeah, Michigan, I think Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten. I don't think anyone can really say anything other than that uh, without looking like an idiot heading into this weekend. But, uh, all right, well, let's talk about this Penn State game a little bit. Um, obviously, the this, I won't call this a rivalry, but this has been a notable little game uh, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State's obviously been on the rise with, with James Franklin, uh, Harbaugh, Harbaugh and Michigan took the first two games they played against Penn State. Uh, the second one in Ann Arbor was not close at all. It was a blowout. Um, it was really, really an embarrassing loss for Penn State. But they had a lot of guys out injured, and that kind of from there they took off and ended up winning the Big Ten. And then last year you've got you know Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley. You're going to Penn State at night with John O'Corn at quarterback. Michigan, to me, I mean, yeah, that game got away late. But in the first half, Michigan drives down the field, and, and they're they're right there. So it's not like it was a thorough whoop. I mean, I guess it kind of was. It, it they was. Were, they were down fourteen nothing. Like McSorley really threw a terrible interception when they were about to go up twenty one nothing in the first quarter, and that kind of got Michigan back in the game for a little bit. But the second half was just brutal. Yeah, that's. I think that was. That was one of those games where I think, like, obviously we weren't there for it. And I think someone else was covering it. Trevor may have been covering it. I forget who was covering it that night. For whatever reason, I had that night off. And I don't think I watched the second half of the game. (laughs) I think I watched, like, part of the third quarter. And then the floodgates started to open up. And I was like, well, I got other things to do tonight. Um, Yeah, it was was bad. Uh, And I think that we've seen a lot of of narratives this offseason that, you know, Jim Harbaugh, most overrated coach in the country. You know, James Franklin's the best, you know, maybe the best pure coach in the Big Ten. Uh, none of those are true, by the way. But it's just an interesting kind of juxtaposition here because I think this is another one of those narrative-killing games where, uh, you know, James Franklin, I know, is the favorite of a lot of people. He's a friendly guy, nice guy. One of the first football camps I ever covered, the guy walks right up to me, shakes my hand and says, Hi, I'm James Franklin. Nice to meet you. Good to see you out here today. Like, Unprompted, out of nowhere. Yeah. It was incredibly friendly guy. Um, just don't think he's a very good football coach. Uh, 
like um and on the foot you know this is it's, like i said another one of those narrative killing games where um people love to make the harbaugh versus franklin debate and even i saw the art this article earlier uh early before we recorded uh, i believe it was from penn live that said Harbaugh might finally get his Big Ten title, but Franklin has Penn State aimed at loftier future. And I want to read the excerpt uh, out of this. Uh, It says, what you see with Michigan football now is as good as it's going to get. Under Harbaugh, the Wolverines will never maximize their weaponry on offense and will never cut their quarterback loose. They won't be able to win games different ways, only their way. I've seen this movie before under Bo Schembechler. And Harbaugh is his willing spawn, his twin in style. I feel like I should be like twirling my mustache. Sounds like a Lynn Henning article. <laughs> nice. I dig that reference. Thanks. Uh, what, what you're seeing from Penn State is an unfinished product with a higher ceiling. I don't know whether Franklin can finish it, but I do know that if he does, it will be a versatile way to play where the team can both run and pass efficiently, defend both the air and ground game, and beat you in different ways. The former is the way football has been played. The latter is the way it will be, and it's how championships will be won. Franklin has already won one. Maybe Harbaugh will get his this year. Like, so that's kind of what you're going up against yeah. this week. Um, they're already like, this article basically says here that, yeah, Harbaugh will probably beat us, win the Big Ten. But that James Franklin is coming and big things are on the way. I mean, they botched an Ohio State. Last year should have been Penn State's year. They botched a game at Ohio State. They botched a game that had a four-hour rain delay at Michigan State. Like, they blew a double-digit lead against, against Ohio State this year. Almost lost to Appalachian State. Lost to Michigan State, which... You described it. I feel like I should have the movie trailer voice. Chris Castellani describes it as one of the least impressive top 10 wins he's ever seen. It really was. Like, they're just, they're good. But I, I feel like that guy is a little bit of a, uh, it, it hurts. He hurts them a little bit. I, I don't, I don't get, I think that last year was kind of Penn State's big, um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that kind of have that big year, like once every ten years. I feel like that was their year last year. Yeah, and they kind of blew it. Yeah, I, well, I, think... I can't say that they won the Big Ten two years before that, but last year should have been their big coming out party. Exactly. And yeah, and, and I think that I think what what James Franklin is, and I think this goes across all sports, is that there's. I think two different or three different types of coaches and or managers, if we talk about baseball as well, out there. There's, uh, or I guess four technically. Uh, there's the guys who are great with X's and O's, the the strategy of the game. There's guys who get the most out of their players. There's the rare guys who can do both, and there's those duds who can do neither. Right. So uh, I. I think James Franklin fits into the category of getting the most out of his players. Um, you know, you could say that kind of thing. I'll add a third to it. In college football, you can add a third. A guy that's just a really good recruiter, too. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but, but yeah, that that that's a good point. I guess that somewhat falls into getting the most out of your players, maybe loosely a bit. But I, yeah, that that's a good point. 
uh, I think he, he falls into those two categories. He's a very good recruiter, um, and and he does get the most out of his players. Yeah, did they get uh, uh, several breaks two years ago to win the Big Ten? Absolutely. But nobody thought they were going to win the Big Ten. Nobody. And they did. And even, I mean, they didn't, even in the, the Big Ten championship game, they were down 17 and came back and won. That was really impressive. But uh, you talk about this article that this guy's writing, like, it, it, as if Franklin uh, ha- has, it, it makes it seem like Franklin's teams have been steadily improving. And that's just not the case. I mean, they, they've, uh, after two, I mean, they last year, while talent-wise they were better, record-wise they were uh, uh, they were about the same this year. I think they're were they're, they are worse than they were last year. They got very lucky to beat Iowa. That was a strange game. I don't know how much of it you watched. It was but. strange. Uh, there was that play. Uh, what's that kid's name? Nate Stanley throw like from the one yard line goes to throw the ball to uh, the uh, the tight end Noah Fant, and Fant just never turns around. It, it would have been a touchdown. He just never yeah. turns around and looks for the ball. With that said, though, if Michigan plays Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, if we get to that point, they will break Nate Stanley in half. Yeah, that, and that when when you talk about uh, like when we talk about overrated coaches, to me, I know a lot of people, including Lloyd Carr, think Kurt Ferentz is just the bee's knees. I, if he was that great. Kirk Fer- I, I may, he's almost good by on accident because he's able to he's like a lesser no pun intended a lesser much lesser version of what Les Miles was his last 6 years at LSU where he's got teams that have talent but that dude has never had a quarterback when is Iowa uh, Brad Banks 2002 no respect like, for Jake Rudock, huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, they <laughs> Drew Drew Tate, Ricky Stanzi, uh, uh, the the left handed kid that they had. I can't remember. Um, uh, CJ Beathard. CJ, yes, yeah, starting NFL quarterback CJ Beathard. I guess he he was probably the best one they had. Yeah. Uh, and Stanley's the same way. I mean, he's okay, but. In big time moments, I mean, much like with Bethard in that Big Ten championship game against Michigan State, if Iowa makes one play, they would have won that game. You know, like not throwing an interception in the end zone. Well, they've just never had that personnel. And uh, I feel I think- like I feel like a game against Iowa in the Big Ten title game would be almost an exact carbon copy of what the game against Wisconsin was. Yeah. Except- Except Michigan probably leads a lot bigger in the first half. Like, yeah, it, it might it might be more competitive just because it's not at the big house. But yeah, I, I you know going back to kind of originally what we were talking about. I mean, I, I think Penn State, uh, while they won that game against a, a team that was ranked you know one spot below them in the top twenty five, once again. Uh, fairly unimpressive to me. I mean, obviously unimpressive in their loss to Michigan State, and against and, and unimpressive in, in a narrow victory over Indiana, unimpressive uh, in, in a narrow victory at home against uh, an Iowa team that doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, it, they're trending downward to me. 
Well, let, let's look at let's look at James Franklin's kind of career so far. So obviously, those first few years, he's coming into a job where you're still coming out of the sanction era. You're coming out of really was, was only one or two years of Bill O'Brien, seven and six in 2014, seven seven and six in 2015, uh, which was that that first that first year that Jim Harbaugh was there. But then 2016, you've got 11 and three. You've got 2017, 11 and two. In 2018, uh, where they sit right now, they're six and two. Now, the narrative about Jim Harbaugh has always been, oh well, this guy, you know, he's overrated because he can't beat Michigan State, he can't beat Ohio State. Penn State's two losses this year are to Michigan State and Ohio State. They're <laughs> probably going to have a third to Michigan. Last year, they lost to Michigan State and Ohio State, and in 2016, um, they they lost. Obviously, they lost to Michigan. Yes. So. Let's th- that narrative has kind of been pushed across the table um, to to Mister uh, to Mister Franklin there. Now, obviously, that 2016 year you lose to Michigan, and then you rip off um, whatever whatever it was nine straight wins, and you lose to USC in the Rose Bowl. And awesome game! It was 52-49. Yeah. But it um, when are we? No one's. I don't hear people talking about that nationally. I mean, they may be talking about that. Um, in Happy Valley, I do know I know a couple of Penn State fans that aren't really happy with the missed opportunities, and, and honestly, the last couple of years, Penn State has been a lot like Michigan has in terms of everything laid out perfectly for them last year, and they failed twice. And then this year, you lose a game you should have won at Ohio State. One of the dumbest play calls I've ever seen at the end of the game. Yeah, um, running what was it? A, a draw play on fourth and five oh, or read option? A read option play. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you blew a double digit lead in that game. Um, Michigan State. I mean, if you have no business losing to that team at home, I'm sorry. So it's gonna be interesting to me to see what happens if James Franklin and Penn State loses this game on Saturday because. Make no mistake about it. If Harbaugh loses the game, you, that's all you're going to hear about is, oh, he's, Michigan was overrated and he's overrated and Penn State beat him again. So I think this is a pretty important narrative game for both coaches here because if you're James Franklin, now you're talking two straight wins over Michigan. If you're Jim Harbaugh, you walk out of this with a win, and I do think they will win, and I don't think it'll be all that close. Um, Me neither. You're talking about three and one against James Franklin. So all these people really, this is a roundabout way of putting a bow on all these people have had said in the off season, James Franklin's a better coach than Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh is so overrated. Look at how great a job James Franklin's doing. This is another, we've talked about the revenge tour and the revenge tour t-shirts still on sale. Amazingbrew.com had to get that plug in there. Nice. Um, proceeds go to the Prouts uh, who, have been invited to the meetup on Friday. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we end up seeing the Prout family there, but talk about the revenge tour. This is more, uh, it's a little too wordy to put narrative killing tour on a t-shirt, but <laughs> it would be interesting to see at the end of the year, uh, all the, the beasts and the demons they've slayed. Because I think that, you know, like I said, um, even if you think that Michigan is more than 11 and a half points, better than Penn state, um, you still got to go out. You still got to play. You still got to, you know, there's a lot, a couple more things to knock off that list still. And that's, I think really, I, I, I know I sound, it might sound like I'm afraid it might sound like I'm unsure of, of what's going to happen. I'm very sure that they'll win on Saturday. Um, 
but it's it's one of those things where I want to see it. I've I've I said at the beginning of the year, even before the Notre Dame game, I'm in show me mode. Like show me. I don't want to. Jim Harbaugh said this before. I don't want to talk about it. I want to be about it. And I think that that uh, you know we've seen Michigan guys start to talk a little bit more, but. I'm okay with that when you back it up. And for the most yeah. part they have, so I don't, I don't have an issue with it at all. I, you said everything I could have wanted to say. And, and then some, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with them talking, uh, as long as they're winning and, you know, right now things are good. I think for the next three games, at least things are going to continue to be good. Um, you got a, a a big game this Saturday. I mean, as much as I think as big as the spread is and everything, it's still a ranked team. Uh, it's still a team that, you know, kind of knocked your lights out last year. Um, I, I, I expect Michigan to win and anything other than a, a victory. I'd say really anything other than a, a sound beating would be somewhat disappointing. I think that they're at least 10 points better than Penn State. At least. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think Penn State, I think they could win this game by 10, and that could tell you a couple of different stories. Um, it could either be, oh, wow, they missed a lot of opportunities to stretch this thing out, or, oh, wow, that was that was pretty, that was pretty thorough. Like, that wasn't as close as the score would indicate, because there have been a few of those games this year as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the one thing I will say is that, historically speaking, whether Michigan has gotten the win against Michigan State or not, how they come out after that has has that game has extracted a bit of a toll at times. Um, so I, I think that there's certainly um, nothing. Nothing I see would surprise me on Saturday in terms of guys being a little rusty. Rusty. Maybe the defense gives up a few big plays. Maybe they struggle a bit in the game and you still win. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but just keep an eye on that too. Um, about there was just, there was just so much emotion in the pregame during the game in the post game. I wonder what that plus a week off will do to this team. And like I said, they're not in danger of, of losing to Indiana or Rutgers. Uh, like I said, the Indiana games at home, Indiana can do some weird shit sometimes and give you a, a game. If but it was on the road, I'd be slightly worried, but that they'll they'll take care of business. They'll be they'll be fine there. They'll be fine against Rutgers. I expect them to be like I, I, I don't I don't know where those struggles could come from, but it wouldn't be surprise it wouldn't be surprising to me to see a little bit of a different team coming out of the bye. Now we'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm just kind of to prep everyone for all the, the the possible futures out there, but well, I guess. Um, it's about all I have. Uh, it's about all we had written down here. Is yeah. there anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, man. I think, uh, you know, it wasn't a ton to talk about with the bye week. Uh, there was no game last week. So uh, I think I think we're we're good cutting this thing off early. Yeah. Uh, and again, thoughts and prayers to our friend Luke uh, as cool. he deals with the creeping death that, uh, <laughs> that he's apparently dealing with. Uh, he'll be back on next week. I, I have no issues saying that. Um, Hopefully I did a worthy job stepping into the, the big boys chair, but you did my friend. You did. Oh, shucks. Thank you very much. But, uh, well, let's, let's get a couple, get a couple plugs out of the way before we get out of here. First, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. I'm going to hit you with it again. 
It's going to annoy the hell out of you. Now, I've, I have a bone to pick with you people. And I do and I don't. Because last week at the end of the show, I said, if you listen to our show, come to this meetup, screenshot your RSVP, and tweet it at me, at Anthony T. Broom, or at Brewcast Show, and I will buy you. You're going to get your first drink free. I will buy you your second drink. Nobody, nobody followed through with that at all. And it just, it hurt me, but it also didn't hurt me because I was kind of worried in the back of my head. There'd be like 50 people that <laughs> tweeted at me and I was like, okay, I'm starting to do the math in my head. If a beer is five fifty, or who, uh, that's not a, that's not a tab. I don't, I'm sure I'm ready to pay, but I'm, I am still willing to pay that price. So come to our meetup uh, on Friday at the Detroit beer company. Uh, it's the, the address is 1529 Broadway street, downtown Detroit. It's right next to the Detroit Opera House. Uh, if Okay, I'll put it to you this way. If Comerica Park and the Detroit Beer Company were a delicious, you know, two slices of bread, the Detroit opposite, or the Detroit opposite, the Detroit Opera House would be the delicious uh, toppings or, or meats that you put in the middle of the sandwich. So that's sandwiched right in between these two venues here. Like I said, I stopped by. It looks like a great little place. We're going to have fun. Uh, we're going to have some cornhole board stuff, some prizes, obviously the t-shirts. RSVP is free. With your RSVP, you're going to get your first drink free if you're one of the first 50 people to check in. Uh, we've got tons of food ordered. Uh, come get some free food. Drink some free beer. Drink two free beers because I'm going to buy your second one for you if you tweet your RSVP confirmation to me at Anthony T. Broom or at Brewcast Show. Take me up on this offer. We've it, It's going to be a great time. Um, so again, it's free to RSVP six to 8 PM on Friday, uh, at the Detroit beer company. Who knows? Maybe the party goes longer. Who's to say depends on how many free beers I have to buy, but, uh, for a $10 RSVP, we'll get you one of the t-shirts that we're selling, uh, along with it. So if you want a t-shirt, great. It costs you $10 with your RSVP. If not, just come out, have a beer, have some food, have a good time. Um, really looking forward to, to mixing up with, with some of the staff. We don't get to see each other a whole lot. Uh, yeah, well, with you guys I, haven't, as well. I haven't met a lot of these people, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it could go either way. Uh, I think we've got some literal crazy people on staff, but I mean that in a good way too. Yeah. But it's it's going to be a good time. Uh, excited so excited for it. So Friday, November 2nd at the Detroit Beer Company. Uh, I will include the link to the RSVP in the description for this show, in the post on the website as well. Like I said, screenshot your RSVP confirmation and tweet it at me. I will buy. I will buy the first drink I can buy for you at the Detroit Beer Company if you're 21 or older. Uh, I can't be in trouble yes, with the other stuff. Um, so that's the, my plug there. Also, get your Revenge Tour shirt. They're still on sale with uh, profits. Uh, the portion of the proceeds go into the Prout family, who uh, has been invited to our event on Friday. Uh, it sounds like they're going to come out. So. Uh, can meet Larry and his family, and hopefully we do. Great Michigan family, uh, good people, and uh, excited to have them on out as well. So uh, get your Revenge Tour shirts. We've we've sold a lot of them already, uh, and we're uh, going to be doing a lot of good for, for people that need it. So get your shirt. They're awesome. Uh, they're not going to last forever, so get yours today. RSVP for the event. That's it for my spiel. Tweet your RSVP confirmation at Anthony T. Broom and at Brewcast Show, and I will send it over to Chris to tell us where you can find him. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L. 
L L A N I two O one four. There you can uh, find the links to my YouTube page where I make a random assortment of videos and usually movie reviews. And of course, I'm constantly posting on Twitter video content. Uh, now that baseball season's over, I'll be making videos about Michigan football and Michigan basketball, and who knows, maybe the NFL. The Lions have given up on this season, so uh, maybe I'll make a video about that. Who knows? But uh, hope to see you in my feed, and uh, hope to see you in Detroit on Friday as well. Yes, coming out, Detroit Beer Company, 68 p.m. on Friday. Tweet me your RSVP. I will buy you a drink. That's been Brewcast for this week. Send your thoughts and prayers to Luke that he uh, does not die before our next episode. We'll talk to you next time.